various media networks. This is America's First News. This morning with your host, Gordon Deal. Devastation overseas. Good morning, I'm Gordon Deal, along with Jennifer Koshenka on this Monday, February 6th. Glad you could be with us, and here's what we have for you this hour. More than 600 people have been killed after a powerful earthquake hit Turkey and Syria earlier today. Dozens of buildings collapsed. The U.S. Navy is searching for debris off the South Carolina coast after the military shot down a suspected Chinese spy balloon. Residents in a small Ohio town are under evacuation orders after a train derailment caused a fire among cars carrying hazardous materials. And ways to manage your budget if inflation has you living paycheck to paycheck. Meal planning, um, planning out what you're going to buy at the grocery store. Food prices are one area, of course, that we've seen inflation really take a toll on households. So just going to the grocery store less, planning out your meals, trying to stay away from impulse purchases, that can all help. Jessica Dickler at CNBC on millions more Americans feeling stretched too thin as the cost of living surged. The U.S. Navy is looking for debris from the suspected Chinese surveillance balloon it shot down over the weekend. A successful recovery could potentially give Washington insight into the spying capabilities of Beijing. China has said the balloon, intended for weather and other scientific purposes, had accidentally blown off course. A foreign ministry spokesperson said another balloon sighted in Latin America was from China and intended for civilian purposes. Florida Senator Marco Rubio on ABC. Look, they flew this thing across the middle of the United States. So I imagine whoever designed this thing and put it up there realized, hey, at some point the Americans may get their hands on this. It's quite possible that it was designed in such a way where there wouldn't be much value to us in that regard. Meanwhile, China previously sent high-altitude surveillance balloons over the U.S. that went undetected until after leaving American airspace. Defense officials say at least three occurred under former President Trump and one was under President Biden. Those previous balloon flights were much shorter in duration, possibly explaining why some went undetected at the time. Officials in southern Turkey and northern Syria say at least 600 people are dead and thousands injured following a strong earthquake earlier today. The numbers are constantly changing. More from this morning's Mike Gavin. The 7.8 magnitude quake, which hit in the early darkness of a winter morning, collapsed dozens of buildings and was felt across a large region with multiple aftershocks. At least one witness told Reuters that the tremor lasted a minute. It was also felt in Cyprus and Lebanon. White House National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan said on Twitter that the U.S. was profoundly concerned. It's Turkey's most severe quake since 1999, when one of similar magnitude killed more than 17,000. Gordon. Thank you, Mike. Turkey's interior minister said on live television that the country had declared its highest state of emergency, which includes a call for international help. President Biden ordered government agencies to assess a possible American relief response to help those most in need. Some residents of northeastern Ohio are being warned that a major explosion is possible at the site of a 50-car train derailment in which an estimated 10 of those cars were carrying hazardous materials. A chemical fire has caused environmental and safety concerns. Residents living within a mile of the train derailment in East Palestine, Ohio, a village near the Pennsylvania border, were given an urgent evacuation order last night. Officials say a catastrophic tanker failure would make it possible for an explosion with deadly shrapnel traveling up to a mile. Keith Drabeck is fire chief in Palestine. This catastrophic failure um, 
will, if it, if it occurs, it will produce hydrogen chloride and phosgene gas into the atmosphere. Uh, we are working with several federal agencies to determine a plume cloud for that. According to the National Transportation Safety Board, the cars involved were carrying combustible liquids, butyl acrylate, and residue of benzene from previous shipments, as well as some non-hazardous materials. No injuries or fatalities have been reported. Want to eat healthier, but every supplement you've ever tried seems like the better it is for you, the worse it tastes, then you have to try AG1 from Athletic Greens. I started taking AG1 because I wanted more energy and better gut health. What I didn't expect? The taste is better than any supplement I've ever had. I drink it, like it says, before anything else when I wake up. I guzzle those 8 to 10 ounces before my coffee and start my day knowing I've already gotten the recommended daily intake of all the good fruits and veggies. There's definitely a mental boost knowing you've started the day off on the right foot. I tackle the day now with more confidence and energy. AG1, by the way, is not only lifestyle friendly, it's cheaper than getting all the different supplements yourself. Try AG1. I love this product. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash Gordon. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash Gordon to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Athleticgreens.com slash Gordon. Glad you could be with us. Welcome into Monday. Former President Trump overcame social conservatives' concerns about his position on abortion to win the Republican presidential nomination twice. Now he may have to do so again to make it a third. So says Jim Antle, politics editor at The Washington Examiner. Jim, your take. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, former President Donald Trump would, on paper, seem to have a very strong record uh, for pro-life Republicans. I mean, after all, he made the critical appointments to the Supreme Court that led to the reversal of Roe versus Wade. The problem is he seems to be wanting to distance himself just a little bit, not completely, but uh, but a little bit from that decision and from some of the political consequences of it. So Republicans did not do as well in the midterm elections as it was expected. They won the House, but not by a big margin, lost a seat in the Senate, and just a number of Republicans in competitive races came up a little bit short. And so people were sort of casting around afterwards looking for who to blame. And the two main suspects were Trump and his endorsements, and a backlash against the reversal of Roe versus Wade. Those were the two main things that people uh, fingered as the culprit, yeah. so to speak. So Trump, I think, partly to distance himself from the idea that he was re- primarily responsible for Republicans underperforming, also amplified the idea that it was Roe, it was the Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization decision uh, that triggered this backlash against Republicans, in particular, some Republicans supporting uh, bans on abortion that didn't include the, the popular exceptions for rape, incest, and life of the mother. Now, that has had the carry-on effect, though, of making some pro-lifers feel as if Trump is kind of throwing them under the bus. Yeah. And so it's kind of put a little wedge between Trump and what ought to be a very good group for him ahead of what might be a competitive Republican primary. All right, so this is not something that Republicans can afford, obviously. And as you say in your piece, uh, Republicans have had problems motivating the base. So how does that factor in here? 
Yeah, it's definitely a, a real issue. Republicans seem to not be able to find candidates who simultaneously excite the base and appeal to swing voters. So there are some Republican candidates who can win over swing voters, but then the base is generally uh, pretty met about them. And, you know, maybe in an election like last year, they'd turn out for them anyway. Uh, but it, sometimes that can be a problem, getting everybody to show up and vote. But then there were also, particularly in the midterms, a number of candidates who seemed to be pretty popular with the base who just swing voters were not interested in, were a bridge too far. And that was a pretty big factor in why Republicans lost a lot of these competitive races last year. And so Trump and the Republican Party more generally are trying to figure out a way forward, sort of weather all of that. We're speaking with Jim Antle, politics editor at the Washington Examiner. His piece is called Abortion Emerges as Unexpected Stumbling Block in Trump's Political Comeback Bid. Um, You said, too, uh, toward the tail end of your piece, he's not a creature of the conservative movement. Um, Right. But what about now, like all these years later, right, following uh, those comments in 1999, I think you said, when he said he was fully pro-choice? Right. So, you know, Trump is somebody who switched on the abortion issue before he won the Republican nomination. And pro-lifers, I think, largely overlooked his past comments and were rewarded with what is currently a pretty solid pro-life record from when he was president. Uh, You know, the reversal of Roe versus Wade was sought by Ronald Reagan, George H.W. Bush, George W. Bush didn't get it. Uh, Trump, Trump really did. Trump really can claim a lot of credit for that. Uh, he seems, though, to, to see it as a double-edged sword now, and that's sort of ripped open some old wounds, uh, made pro-lifers question uh, his commitment to their cause and wonder if maybe there's a better candidate for them in 2024. All right, so it, it's been, what, three election cycles now that Republicans have underperformed with right. Mr. Trump, uh, de facto head of the Republican Party, right? Is, is 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 that going to change? Is the reason to believe that's going to change in say twenty twenty four? It's it's the you know six billion dollar question, right? I mean, there's an argument that Republicans overperformed a little bit in twenty twenty. You know, they they did gain House seats, and Trump was expected by most pollsters to lose by a much bigger margin than he did, which is part of what you know created some superficial plausibility to the stop the steal stuff, but. Um, yes, in, you know that they lost in the midterm elections in 2018. They lost the White House in 2020, and now they they really had a kind of unimpressive midterm election year and what was supposed to be a red wave. So that has had a lot of people wondering whether Trump is the best standard bearer for the party going forward. Thanks, Jim. Jim Antle, politics editor at the Washington Examiner. 20 minutes now after the hour. On this morning, America's First News, here's Jennifer Koshenka. And now, the three big things you need to know. Number one. A powerful 7.8 magnitude earthquake hit southern Turkey and northern Syria early today, toppling buildings and triggering a frantic search for survivors. At least 640 were killed and hundreds injured, and the toll is expected to rise. On both sides of the border, residents jolted out of 
sleep by the pre-dawn quake rushed outside on a cold, snowy winter night as buildings were flattened and strong aftershocks continued. Rescue workers and residents are searching for survivors under the rubble in multiple cities, working through tangles of metal and chunks of concrete. Whole neighborhoods have collapsed in some areas. Number two. Authorities are recommending thousands of residents stay away from a rural town in eastern Ohio after a train carrying hazardous material derailed and caught fire late last week. Officials in East Palestine, about 50 miles west of Pittsburgh, say the fire continues to smolder. Mayor Trent Conaway. I can't stress enough that if you are in the evacuation zone, you need to leave. Um, it's, it, could be a, it could be a dangerous situation that I don't want to see any of our residents get hurt. 50 cars on a Norfolk Southern train derailed Friday night, causing a chemical fire. 14 of the rail cars were carrying vinyl chloride, a colorless gas that can easily burn. Number three. Moscow and Tehran are moving ahead with plans to build a new factory in Russia that could make at least 6,000 Iranian-designed drones for the war in Ukraine. The latest sign of deepening cooperation between the two nations. A high-level Iranian delegation flew to Russia in early January to visit the planned site for the factory and hammer out details to get the project up and running. Beyonce has broken the record for the most Grammy wins in history after winning Best Dance Electronic Music Album for her record Renaissance. I'd like to thank my beautiful husband, my beautiful three children who are at home watching. I'd like to thank the queer community for your love and for inventing this genre. Pop rock phenom Harry Styles scored Album of the Year for Harry's House and Upset. Other major awards also delivered surprises. Blues rock elder stateswoman Bonnie Raitt won Song of the Year for Just Like That. Traditional jazz singer Samara Joy won Best New Artist. And Lizzo won Record of the Year for About Damn Time. All right, thank you, Jen. As the cost of living surged in 2022, the number of Americans living paycheck to paycheck jumped as of December. Compared with 2021, 9.3 million more Americans said they are stretched too thin. Here's Jessica Dickler, personal finance reporter at CNBC. Jessica, what are we learning? Well, the report tracks earners, households that make over 100,000 um, and between 50 and 100,000. So it's not necessarily top one percenters, but, you know, it's it's decidedly middle income, middle class households that um, were getting by a year ago now starting to struggle a little bit. Wow. I'm speaking with Jessica Dickler personal finance reporter at CNBC. Her story is about how 64% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. All right, so you also touched on keeping the budget in check. I mean, you mentioned the standard ones like cut spending and boost savings, but uh, you got into specifics with some of them. Uh, Explain that. What would you do with cut spending? Okay, so it always comes down to the same two things, which is that um, when it comes to getting your budget on track, you have to cut your spending and you have to boost your savings. But this time I talked to a couple of experts that gave me some good sort of tips to do it um, that might that just might seem intuitive, but maybe um, more people could, could try it, including myself. One is just disabling one-click ordering when you're shopping online, um, just trying to wait that extra beat before you purchase stuff to just kind of keep your spending in check. Also just meal planning, um, planning out what you're gonna buy at the grocery store. Food prices are one area, of course, that we've seen inflation really take a toll on house holds. So just going to the grocery store less, planning out your meals, trying to stay away from impulse purchases, that can all help. What were the uh, the browser extensions that can help that you mentioned? 
Okay, so these are ones that I have tried and like very much. Um, there's a couple different ones. Camel, Camel, Camel and Keepa will help you find the best price when you're shopping online. Um, you can also look around for a coupon code. I use the site, the browser extension Scently, which automatically searches for coupon codes and you could get you know, 20% off your order. Um, you can then pay with a cashback card um, or a rewards card, which will earn you another 2% back. These are just little ways to, if you are gonna buy something, to just shave the cost a little bit. Yeah. Touch on, uh, on boost savings and what you got into there. Okay, so we have seen deposit rates climb over the year, but not if you've just left your money at your traditional bank, then you're probably earning next to nothing. So you really have to hunt around if you want to get some of those higher yields. Uh, the experts that I talked to definitely recommended checking out a um, an online savings bank, which generally has much better returns than your traditional you know, corner bank. Otherwise, look at one-year CDs or short-term treasury bonds. Um, you know, you have to hold the money there a little bit longer, but you're going to earn more, maybe even closer to 5%, which is better than the nothing that you're probably earning on your savings account now. Um, a lot of experts also like I-bonds. We've talked about that a lot at CNBC over the last year. They're currently paying 6.89% annual interest. So that's a great way um, to hedge against inflation. That way your money isn't going to, you know, lose buying power over time. But, you know, that still you have to keep, um, you can't redeem those I-bonds for a year. So that money is sort of locked away. You might want to keep some cash on hand and then try to get a better interest rate on long-term savings that way. Thanks, Jessica. Jessica Dickler, personal finance reporter at CNBC. If you enjoy a few drinks with friends after work, working out, or on the weekend, you should try Zbiotics Pre-Alcohol Probiotic. PhD scientists created this unique genetically engineered probiotic to help you avoid the rough morning after and get back to living your life. It's easy. Drink Zbiotics before you enjoy any alcohol, and it works throughout the night, breaking down the toxic alcohol byproduct that makes you feel awful the next day. So no matter what your tomorrow looks like, productive, playful, or just relaxing, don't let a few drinks wreck it. Have a bottle of Zbiotics before you drink. Practice healthy and responsible drinking habits, and you'll be ready to face the day. Right now, save 15% on your first order at zbiotics.com slash Gordon. At checkout, use the code Gordon. Go for the six-pack and share with friends. If your night gets in the way of your day, Zbiotics could help. Save 15% now at zbiotics.com slash Gordon. zbiotics.com slash Gordon. Always drink responsibly. Behind the headlines, above the noise, you're listening to America's First News, this morning with Gordon Deal. Thanks for spending time with us. Welcome into Monday, February 6th, Gordon Deal. Jennifer Koshenka, some of our top stories and headlines. The Navy is searching for debris from that suspected Chinese spy balloon shot down off the coast of South Carolina. A devastating and deadly earthquake in Turkey and Syria earlier today. An evacuation order in northeast Ohio after a train derailment involving cars containing chemicals. In a slight to Donald Trump, the billionaire Cook brothers will for the first time support presidential primary candidates. Kyrie Irving traded from Brooklyn to Dallas. And how to send Valentine's Day wishes to kids in hospitals. That story in about 20 minutes. Time now for a business update, and it's brought to you by Dell. Dell Technologies provides growing businesses with the tools to do incredible things. For advice on smart PCs powered by Intel vPro that's built for business, 
Call a Dell Technologies advisor at 877-ASK-DELL. The mixed signals continue for the economy. The Labor Department reported 517,000 jobs added in January, with the unemployment rate falling to 3.4%, the lowest rate in more than 53 years. What's that mean for the Fed's approach to interest rates and a potential recession? Here's Mark Hamrick, Senior Economic Analyst at Bankrate.com. Mark, how should we read these numbers? Well, Gordon, we'll take uh, a big surprise when it really speaks to the strength of the U.S. economy in a positive way. Uh, And I think, you know, at a time when so many people have been on high alert for a recession, this is the opposite of a recessionary report uh, with the unemployment rate going down to 3.4%, taking out all the recent historic lows of 3.5%. And we're now down at the lowest that we've seen, I think, since 1969. So, yeah, the prognosticators were well off here in the sense of not seeing this one coming. Uh, But, you know, we have seen other data that suggests the job market is very, very strong. That was the exact wording that Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell used in in his recent news conference as the Fed raised interest rates. So, uh, you know, we'll take a win when it involves helping American workers and also at a time when wage pressures were actually coming down in this latest month, even amid the strength. Yeah. All right, so you live and breathe this stuff. I'll, I'll just throw out some generic things here that are hard for me, a layman like me, to process. We had five months in a row, I think, where it, it, it seemed that the job market was slowing. We've got consumer spending that has been down as of late. Right. Manufacturing is off. And yet here we are with more than half a million jobs created in January. Well, we know, uh, Gordon, and, and by the way, uh, the uh, head-scratching you know, isn't only on your side of the microphone. I mean, I, you know, we're always trying to make sense of all these things. And, and sometimes that sensibility is not immediately obvious. But what I would say is that I think if there's been a theme of this post-pandemic or even in the immediate days of the uh, reopening of the economy, that has been that employers have been struggling to find the workers they need. And we have had more labor supply available. Labor force participation did rise slightly in this report. We know that there are increased job cut announcements. Hasn't shown up in unemployment claims per se. But, you know, when you look, for example, at the jobs that were added here, it was leisure and hospitality leading the way. And even so, that category that includes bars and restaurants is still a half million shy of its pre-pandemic level. And there probably would have been some organic growth there over that time as well. We're speaking with Mark Hamrick, Senior Economic Analyst at Bankrate.com. We're talking about the January labor report, 517,000 jobs created far exceeding expectations. What does the Fed make of those numbers, perhaps most importantly? Well, I think they will take some solace from the fact that uh, the wage gains here were below the level of the previous month, meaning that we had a strengthening of the job market, yet it didn't seem to lead to a wage price spiral, as Chairman Powell would say. What does this mean for recession talks then, perhaps, since I I think at this point a, a majority of economists think there will be one at some point in 2023? Well, you know, uh, our friend Mark Zandi at Moody's uh, coined the phrase slow session to sort of suggest that uh, the base case is not for a recession in their shop, but rather just maybe some slowing. And there could be kind of rotational slowing through sectors. And we've absolutely seen that over the last year. Think of the stock market, the housing market, the crash in crypto. Manufacturing has been weaker lately, but now we have a reopening in China. Maybe the global economy ends up doing better. The horrific scenarios that were painted for 
for Europe this winter with respect to heating uh, did not end up really materializing because people reacted. So the global economy is looking better. The U.S. economy is absolutely looking better. And the Fed, uh, to your earlier point, may end up raising interest rates more than expected, but they have to get to each of those meetings to make those decisions. So that is far from a certainty. Finish up, if you would, because uh, you referenced it earlier with the, with the explosion, uh, so to speak, I guess, in, in, in leisure and hospitality, hiring, things like that, bars, restaurants. Uh, does it matter to the Fed that, that the types of jobs that are being added each month? Uh, well, I would say that they're mostly concerned about maximum employment, meaning that that's part of their mandate. That's something that they want to uh, affirm or to encourage. But, but recently, of course, they've been more attentive to the other part of that mandate, which is stable prices. And as we know, over the past two years, prices have been anything but stable. So I would say that as long as they don't see inflation at a significantly higher level than their target, uh, they're happy to see people get employed. And, and, uh, and, and those are really the ways that they look at those questions. Thanks, Mark. Mark Hamrick, Senior Economic Analyst at Bankrate.com. If you're financing the holiday season on credit cards, Lightstream is here to help. A credit card consolidation loan from Lightstream can help you pay off your credit cards and lock in a low fixed interest rate. Rates start at 7.99% APR with auto pay and excellent credit. Get up to $100,000 with no added fees, and you might even get your money on the day you apply. Just for my listeners, apply now to get a special interest rate discount and save even more. To get it, visit lightstream.com slash deal. That's L-I-G-H-T-S-T-R-E-A-M, lightstream.com slash deal. Subject to credit approval, rates range from 7.99% to 23.99% APR and include a 0.50% auto pay discount. Lowest rate requires excellent credit, terms and conditions apply, and offers are subject to change without notice. Visit lightstream.com slash deal for more info. Lightstream.com slash deal. Thanks for spending time with us. Welcome into Monday. It's time now for the mic drop with this morning's Mike Gavin. Good morning. Well, they say there's a sucker born every minute. And how else would you describe someone who bids tens of thousands of dollars on a jar of sand? Now, it should be said that this isn't just any jar of sand. This is the sand that Tom Brady is alleged to have sat on while he was making his retirement announcement video last week. Now, a quick check of eBay this morning shows well over a dozen listings for sand that its owners claim has been graced by Brady's presence, though suspiciously they all seem to include the same exact photo as Proof, which is a shot of the jar of sand in the same beach location where the announcement video was made. The bidding for many of these listings has climbed into the thousands, but the one seems to be doing much better than the others, currently with 119 bids and $99,900. Jeez. Good news, though, if you think you can top 100 grand, there's still six days left in the bidding. Wow. That's the one authentic one, I guess. Okay. I don't know why, but that's the one that everyone seems to be really gravitating towards. <laughs> There's a picture of the jar like on the sand right. in that spot and that's that makes it right with, with with the buildings in the background. Yeah, right, so right, it's right. the same exact setting where he, you know, where he, he sat there and did his yeah. uh, announcement. But the, the funny thing is all these other bids, some of which have over $10,000 wow. bids on them, all show the exact same picture. So, you know, these people did not seemingly go out and get their own sand. They're just glomming onto this other one. I just get the sense that with stuff like this, yeah, if you are one of these people who sells it, right, 
take the first offer that comes along. I mean, it's like it's like know. buying a house, right? When you, you get that first offer, uh, like, yeah, like there's, I'd there's be a nervous. risk of being yeah. greedy. I'd be nervous that there's six days left, and that you know maybe people can uh, <laughs> you know pull out or deactivate <laughs> exactly. their accounts or something. Right. Exactly, this isn't going to come through, right? And uh, we know that Gordon Deal loves a good food pairing, some of which we may not have thought of before. Now a Reddit post about food pairings has the internet buzzing. The user asked simply, what's a food combo you love that people think you're weird for? Now that spurred on nearly 20,000 comments with people dropping in their unusual combinations. Examples are wide ranging, including sharp cheddar melted over the top of a slice of warm apple pie, milk and spicy ramen, salt and vinegar chips tossed with sauerkraut, and pinto beans with cottage cheese. And if you're looking for some breakfast ideas, there's chili with a cinnamon roll, Cheerios with orange juice, crispy rice soaked in sweet coffee, and eggs topped with soy sauce. Wow. That's probably the the least weird one, actually, the eggs topped I with soy agree. sauce. Toy, soy sauce is good at almost everything. I, I agree. And I've, I've, you know, I've, I've been like raving about these uh, Trader Joe's dumplings, right, that I've oh, been yes. steaming. And I, <laughs> I think to a certain extent, it's really, I'm looking for an excuse to have soy sauce. Right, sure. I, I think that's what's happening here. Because I picked up like uh, sushi yesterday in the grocery store, and I was so excited by the soy sauce, and I thought... <laughs> I think that's why I like the dumplings, too. I just like soy sauce. I'm just making up reasons to right. have soy sauce. I mean, you know, there are an infinite uh, number of possibilities yeah. if you really think about it's it. It's just, I mean, if that sodium content right. can get so high, I'm in. Right. That's that's just what I'm looking for. I think. It's mean, just so, the sodium. It's really not soy sauce in particular. It's just you <laughs> want you just want salt. Yes. <laughs> Any excuse for salt. <laughs> Liquid salt. Yes. Thanks, Mike. For many people who exercise often, beer drinking and working out are often connected. But the Washington Post looked at research that found for performance, recovery, and health, non-alcoholic beer is likely to be a much better choice and even can be as good as or better than regular sports drinks. Full alcohol beer is a mild diuretic, for one thing, which is counterproductive if you need to replace fluids after exercise. Research also hints that alcohol, including beer, could affect how well our muscles strengthen and grow after exercise. Non-alcoholic beer also seems useful for hydration. In a 2016 study, if male athletes drank non-alcoholic beer 45 minutes before a draining workout, they wound up less hydrated afterward. Then after drinking beer, and similar to drinking water, but with a better ratio of sodium to potassium. Eight minutes now in front of the hour on This Morning. Once again, here's Jennifer Koshenka. And now, the three big things you need to know. Number one. A strong earthquake shook southern Turkey and northern Syria today, killing more than 1,300 people and destroying entire neighborhoods. The magnitude 7.8 quake was felt across a large region with multiple aftershocks, rocking an area that houses millions of Turkish citizens, displaced Syrians and refugees. An earthquake was also felt in Lebanon. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan tweeted he has been in touch with Turkish officials and the U.S. is standing by to provide any and all needed assistance. Number two. Biden administration officials say China previously sent high-altitude surveillance balloons over the U.S. that went undetected until after leaving U.S. airspace as the military salvaged debris Sunday from the downed balloon in a bid to learn more about the Chinese operation. Defense officials say there have been prior intrusions over the continental U.S., including at least three during former President Trump's term and once previously under President Biden. That's raising questions about why the government wasn't better prepared for this incursion. Republican Congressman Mike Turner of Ohio on NBC. The satellite had completed its mission. This should never have been allowed 
uh, to enter the United States, and it never should have been allowed to complete its mission. The previous balloon flights were much shorter in duration. Number three. Southwest Airlines and FedEx planes came within 1,000 feet of each other Saturday morning near a runway at the Austin airport, the close call being investigated by the FAA. Governors and lawmakers in a number of states are pushing for billions of dollars in funding increases for mental health this year, as Republicans and Democrats alike say a shortage of available services has reached crisis levels. The budget proposals seek to address the nationwide scarcity of mental health workers, the mental health needs in schools, and growing demand for emergency services. They represent a rare bipartisan point of agreement for more government action. As NFL fans prepare for Sunday's Super Bowl matchup between the Eagles and Chiefs, federal investigators are ramping up efforts to track counterfeit merchandise before it ends up in the wrong hands. Tay Cook Cho is with Homeland Security. You really have to be concerned about the public health and safety of these products. Authorities say if the price of an item seems too good to be true, it likely is. Property rights groups say they seized nearly $100 million in counterfeit sports merchandise last year. My goodness. Thank you, Jen. Innovation. Resilience. Agility. It's how Michigan businesses work together and continue to build the future. Our expertise, talented workforce, and collaborative environment are making a difference now and shaping the future. Join us and make your mark where it matters. Visit michiganbusiness.org radio to put your plans in motion. That's michiganbusiness.org radio. Thanks for being with us. Valentine's Day is a day when we think of significant others. It can also be a day to spread love To others beyond that circle, throughout the country, pediatric hospitals, nursing homes, and shelters are currently accepting Valentine's Day cards and other holiday goodies. Fox News identified some of them. Number one, Valentine's Day celebrants can send virtual cards to St. Jude Children's Research Hospital for free. On the pediatric hospital's website, virtual card creators get to pick from an assortment of colorful designs that feature artwork inspired by real patients of St. Jude. Number two, spreading Valentine's Day cheer to seniors is an easy task with AARP's Wish of a Lifetime. The organization collects Valentine's Day cards nationally and delivers these heartfelt notes to seniors who are socially isolated. And three, the Love in Action Project has kicked off its annual Valentine's Day card drive, which aims to create and deliver 5,000 cards to nursing home residents in North Carolina. For Jennifer Koshenka and Mike Gavin, I'm Gordon Deal. Thanks for listening to This Morning, America's First News.